Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, welcome to tonight's episode of Talk Daytime. It has been a few weeks since we've been on air and we have definitely missed it, but tonight we have something special to talk about. When we created Talk Daytime, one of our biggest goals was to be able to talk about and raise awareness of social issues and causes that are important to us as well as, you know, TV and all that other stuff. So tonight we decided to talk about the March of Dimes, and Kathy's going to tell us all a little bit about it and what it is and just clear up some misconceptions, I guess. And she's going to share her son Colin's story, and he was obviously born premature. Um, and before we get started tonight, I would like to speak briefly about something else. Uh, for those of you who followed me from weekdays, you're probably familiar uh, with Nancy Branch. She was a friend of ours, and, you know, we've known her for a really long time. And she did weekdays several times. She called into the show and participated. And most of you know that she had brain cancer. And unfortunately tonight, I have to inform you guys that she passed away last week. And uh, we would just like to extend our condolences to her friends and family. And I would personally like to thank you all for your messages of support and your tweets and everything. Um, So, yeah, just say a prayer or a good thought or whatever it is that you personally do to her family. They are having a rough time. But, yeah, so let's get started. Kathy's here on the line, so I'm just going to let her take it away. Okay, so uh, one of the things, as Emily mentioned, that we like to try to do is we want to talk about social issues in relation to how they how they mix over with daytime, uh, what what daytime does to get those right, what they miss, where they miss the mark, and, and generally just be socially conscious and socially aware of things that are important out there in the real world that um, impacts people. And one of the things that has personally impacted me in my life um, and one of the things I passionately believe in is fundraising for the March of Dimes. In May of 2009, I was pregnant with my son, Colin. Um, He was due September 22nd. Um, My husband and I were having arguments over a short list of names. People wanted to monogram things for us, and we were uh, trying to come come up with names, and my husband was giving me a big fight. We've got four and a half months. It's not a big deal. Well, we went into Mother's Day weekend that year, and, uh, you know, I gave him a deadline of Friday night before Mother's Day, which was that Sunday, and said, okay, well, we're going to get a short list of names by that weekend, and we'll try and figure something out. And uh, by that following Monday, I had had my son four and a half months early at 22 weeks and two days gestation. When Colin was born, he weighed one pound, one ounce, which is 17 ounces. That's smaller than a bottle of soda um, that you would buy out of a vending machine. Um, I can't begin to tell you how small that is. It's just so incredibly tiny. Uh, Pictures don't do it justice. Nothing can do it justice unless you're standing right there in front of them. But just to give you a gauge, um, he could wrap his his entire hand was the size of the very tip of my right ring finger. Um, He was just so little. So when Colin was born, we had a crash course in everything related to prematurity. We started learning terms like micropremie. Um, which is any child that's born weighing less than two pounds and 10 ounces. Um, We learned all about the NICU, uh, which was Colin's stay was 238 days, which comes out to roughly one week shy of eight months. 
And then we learned about all of the machines that make all the bloops and bleeps and everything that goes with that that literally saved his life. Um, it was a very, very tough ordeal. Um, it was a very defining ordeal, um, and it drives my husband and I both to passionately believe in organizations like the Mark of Dimes that fundraise to research and provide grants for and provide education for programs in the hopes that it will stop prematurity and prevent children like Colin from having to go through the medical issues that they went through. So um, I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that today. But, um, Emily, do you have any questions in particular maybe you're wondering about? Um, okay, personally, so I've always been a believer in fundraising for the March of Dimes. I've always participated in donating. I was premature, not by a whole lot, by about five and a half, six weeks, I think. Um, so we always, that was something we knew about growing up. Um, I would like to know, I guess, how it is that you became involved with them. I mean, other than your son being born early, like, what was it that really, I don't know, how did you exactly, like, because you're very involved. For anybody that doesn't know Kathy, she's very involved with this. She fundraises all, you know, the entire length of time where they do this up until May. So how exactly did you become so active in this group and so just, like, completely involved in it? Well, I mean, I can remember fundraising in school when we were kids. You know, uh, back then, uh, the, the reason the March of Dime got, it, got its name, um, it's actually a program that was started by Frank and Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And literally, they used to send these little cards, and they would ask you to go around from door to door and ask people to donate a dime. And you would fill up the cards with the dimes that you would collect and then send those in, and you would be fundraising for the March of Dimes. Um, and that's why they call it that. Um, but I did that as a kid, but I can honestly say that I didn't become as passionately involved until it personally impacted me. Um, the biggest thing, the reason, because there are several programs out there that do help preemies. Um, I've, we've also fundraised for the Children's Miracle Network. We've also fundraised for uh, an organization called Graham's Foundation, which is for give care packages to parents of preemies. Um, but the reason I think I've stuck with the March of Dimes is because when Colin was born, it I, I, went, I, I think it was after he got home, and I read his record, his birth record of, you know, basically the, the medical record that they give you that indicates what happened, you know, the notes that the physicians had of what happens when your child is born. And I, when I was reading through, I read that they, that Colin did not, he was not physically able to take a breath for at least a minute and a half. And the reason is because he was born so premature that he didn't even have lungs. He had lung buds. His lungs were just beginning to develop. Now, Colin was born at 22 weeks and two days. The earliest baby ever known to survive was at 21 weeks and six days. There's another one that they think might have been 21 weeks and five days, but they can't prove it. Um, you're Pretty much you cannot survive before that. There are no lungs in the baby to be able to pass air and survive. So Colin, if you, if you do the math there, that's a three-day difference in gestational development. He had lung buds, and the reason you, he couldn't breathe was because the lungs develop in, in utero, the lungs develop a, a material called surfactant. And surfactant is kind of like a thin, uh, a thin gelatinous type substance, substance that basically 
lets the lung tissue slip and slide to allow air to get in between it. And preemies um, that are born really early do not have that substance yet in their lungs. It comes later as the lungs develop. Um, the March of Dimes gave research grants that created artificial surfactants. Um, and it was that their their research research grants towards artificial surfactant really changed the game from where we are now with microcremies being able to survive versus where they were before it was created. And once they administered that artificial surfactant to Colin, he immediately was able to start getting air in his lungs, and they were able to put him on ventilator and everything like that. Now, birth experience with a child like Colin is not like your normal experience. He, uh, you know, there wasn't any, they, they told me as, as we were doing this, um, you know, be prepared. You're not going to hear your son cry. He doesn't have, he doesn't have enough power to hear his voice. You won't hear his voice. He won't cry. Um, you won't get to hold him. Um, and in fact, it, it was probably about a month before I got to hold him for the first time. Um, you know, there are all these things that you think about the, the happy stereotypical TV scene births where they sit there and put a child on someone's chest and it, none of that happened with me. It was, Literally, I maybe saw a glimpse of him as they whisked him away up to the NICU to try to save his life. And then we waited for a tenth hour to find out whether or not they were able to stabilize him and whether he was going to survive. And then it was a waiting game day by day by day to find out if he was going to survive. And they would never tell us, oh, he's going to be okay, because they didn't know if he was going to be okay. And, in fact, we had a very, very serious scare six days in where he had to have his very first surgery, his first of five surgeries while he was in the NICU. And uh, he had a, a, a condition called necrotizing enterocolitis, which is a perforation in the bowel. And it caused massive infections in his abdominal cavity. Um, and, and that was extremely scary because even the surgeon that went in to go take care of things um, really wasn't anticipating that he would survive the surgery because he was just so small. But he did. And they were able to correct the actual issue a couple of weeks later after he got some size on him. And then it was just a waiting game. Eventually it became a waiting game for him to get bigger, bigger enough and overcome other obstacles that preemies have to overcome. Some simple things like being able to eat because he didn't eat for about six months. He got um, parental nutrition because of his bowel perforation. Um, so we had to reintroduce a bottle to him and make sure he didn't lose a suck reflex. And all of these other things that you just don't really – think about and probably get taken for granted a little bit when a baby is born. But um, probably, and, and since I mentioned, I, I probably would mention some, uh, some soap things. Uh, it definitely was not like, uh, for instance, on I can think of two general hospital, uh, uh, you know, scenarios that are just relatively recent within the past uh, three, four years. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask you one, about that. Well, the first one that comes to mind is the, the one with Sabrina and Patrick and their baby. Um, that was realistic in some ways, not realistic in, in other ways. Um, I, I was kind of impressed with um, how they did the whole you're not allowed in there thing because that's definitely a case. Uh, when you've got a level three NICU or a child that's born that gestationally early, only certain people are going to be allowed in there. You have to scrub up for at least three minutes before you can go back even behind there. 
um, only parents and maybe one, you can basically, only parents are allowed, they can take one other person with them. Um, you know, those, they're very severely limit because they're trying to limit the, the chances of infection. You definitely wouldn't see people touching the baby with, um, um, you know, just everybody looking and cooing and holding the baby. Uh, there's ventilators everywhere. There's beeps and clicks and beeps and, and all kinds of things that will trigger PTSD later yeah. in your life. Um, um, so in one sense, it was very realistic. Um, and, and I hate to say this because uh, the, 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 fa- the fact that the baby didn't survive, again, extremely realistic. Uh, the chances of babies born that early of actually surviving uh, is extremely, well, I mean, to put it this way, Colin's gestational chances of survival at, at, in 2009 at 22 weeks and two days was 5%. His chances of survival was 5%. Um, on General Hospital, I think the baby was even earlier than that, which, first of all, it, you realistically, that wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, the baby wouldn't have made it past said, even if you kind of hand wave that, which, of course, we do for SEDS. Um, then um, the, the rest of it was extremely realistic. High chances of infection. Um, one little thing that normally you would think, okay, a cold, that's not a big deal. That's devastating for a microcremie. Um, you got to think about, you know, just all the, all the dangers you have with a baby when they're not yet immunized, when they're not yet, you know, when they're very susceptible to colds and, and, and pneumonia and things like that. Um, it can devastate their chances of survival. And, and in fact, that was one scenario we did actually have while Colin was in the NICU. It was it just was the worst nightmare because somebody came in and infected a lot of the NICU babies with RSV, which is devastating because they're too young to receive, uh, you know, typically, like even with Colin, even on a regular immunization schedule, they'll try to do them if the babies are big enough. But Colin had to, they had to wait. He was so little, they had to wait to immunize him. He he kind of was off schedule on his immunizations because he, he just wasn't big enough to be dosed for it. Um, so when you have instances like that where you have already extremely critical babies um, and you introduce a virus like RSV into that scenario, there were, I'm, I'm sad to say that there were some babies in that NICU that did not survive because of the RSV that swept through. It's just simply because somebody wouldn't, wasn't, they, they, they came in instead of staying home the way they should have, or they didn't wash their hands or they didn't do whatever they did to spread infection in there. And, you know, it's a devastating consequence. And so I think that that was realistic, the fact that they did go with the, you know, not all babies survived this because it, it is something that, you know, was hanging over our heads every single day for a good long time. I don't think it was probably until probably December of that year that we really started to feel comfortable and, and knew that he would be coming home to us. So um, after he got past his last big surgery, I think that's when we realized the, the, the corner had been turned. So, um, yeah, but it, I was and, well, about like, Colin's next. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. What? No, I can't hear you. Would you I was going to ask you about Colin's life now and um, his health now. And obviously he's doing well because he's he's here, which is amazing, and he's healthy. Um, so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about him now? And he's he's seven, right? Six, seven? Yes. He is just about to turn eight. He turns eight uh, May 11th is his birthday. Um, He is going to uh, be eight years old. Um, It is very, very rare 
that somebody born as early as Colin does doesn't come out of uh, that type of situation without some type of uh, developmental delays, um, whether they're severe, uh, mild, whatever. You're pretty much guaranteed as a micropremie to be somewhere on the autism spectrum, What you and, and that's a medical certainty um, is what we were told anyway. Um, that is, uh, for Colin, it manifests as, uh, as severe ADHD, um, thankfully. And, and I say that thankfully because he is extremely high-functioning, um, you know, when it comes to the autism spectrum. But he does have very severe ADHD that we had to start medicating him for him for it when he was five, which is, you know, not typical. typical very most of, Yeah. Right. Most doctors won't even consider it until they're seven unless they feel it's a danger. But... For Colin, it was a danger because his other, uh, the other issue that we have come out of it is that um, he had a condition in the NICU called retinopathy of prematurity. And what that is, is a lot, of, you know, obviously when you're born that early, you're going to have some type of ventilator assistance to be able to breathe. Colin was on vents for probably about two and a half months before they started weaning him off to a CPAP and all of that. Um, he was on first a, a, a very, uh, high um, high level vent called a jet ventilator and then he was on a drago vent which is the typical vent you would see on tv and everything um the jet vent basically vibrates like a uh just goes non-stop to breathe about 420 breaths a minute to make them very shallow and easy to process um but the ventilators can cause pressure to form an eye and in colin's instance he was born so early that his eyes were still fused shut they had not even fully developed um, so the eyes develop with blood vessels growing from the back where the retinas are. They grow from the back, and then they, they grow around both sides and meet in the front. Well, with retinopathy of prematurity, what happens is the high-level oxygen makes the blood vessels either quit growing in the right direction and they start to grow rogue, or worse, they'll stop blood flow entirely and the blood will start flowing backwards until the retinas attach. Um, now, they do have fixes for it. Um, one of the fixes and the one that they had for Colin at that time, they didn't have, they have a newer technique now that I'm not familiar with, but apparently it's, it's not as, uh, it's got less damaging effects if you're, if you're able to use it. But the technique, the only technique they had at the time to help with Colin was uh, laser surgery. And what they do is they hit certain points of the blood vessels with a laser and that makes the blood flow start going again. Now the downside to the surgery is that it causes um, some peripheral vision loss. Um, the upside is that it doesn't cause retinal detachment, which would cause permanent blindness. So there is that. Um, but Colin is visually impaired. Um, he's got a kind of a big double wallop of my genetics, which, um, you know, aren't great when it comes. He's extremely nearsighted. Um, he has a loss of peripheral vision. And then he also has a couple of other conditions uh, called latent nystagmus, where his eyes shake. If you cover up one of his eyes, the other one shakes pretty violently. So he's, uh, he goes to a school for uh, the visually impaired, uh, visually and hearing impaired kids. Um, but, you know, high-functioning ADHD and, you know, visual impairment, um, considering his chances of survival, 5%, I'll take it. Um, he Otherwise, he is absolutely hilarious. Um, I don't know if this is typical of all kids, but nobody ever told me the thing about parenting. The big secret is that it's hilarious all the time. We don't take anything for granted with him. Uh, he keeps us cracked up all the time. He's he's funny. He loves the arts. He loves music. Just started piano lessons this past fall. Uh, he he just has a great joy and wonder about everything. Um, 
And, you know, so he, he pretty much is, is the joy of our lives, and, and we're always, always grateful um, for what he is capable of doing, um, considering where he came from. And we don't ever tell him he can't do anything. We let him try it. And if he doesn't ha- succeed the first time, we let him keep trying until he either can or he decides he wants to move on to something else. So, um, you know, um, I would say that he's been a pretty successful uh, example of what the right medicine, the right research, and just the right drive and ambition, you know, that he that comes from within him um, can do uh, as a success story for a preemie that started out as small as he did. Yeah. Well, I don't know him, unfortunately. I don't get to hang out with Colin regularly because Kathy and I live far apart. But I have spoken with him on the phone, and he's absolutely adorable. I love him so much. He is, like, the sweetest kid, and I've I've never even met him. But just from what I know of this kid, he is the sweetest kid. You know, um, when things happen, he's always making cards and always drawing pictures for people, and I love it so much. I'm always like, hey, send me some Colin art because – it just makes me so happy. He is the nicest kid, and, you know, he he's a really good kid, like, from what I know. And I know that you're his parents, so, of course, you guys know that. But I love him. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little biased, 24/7. but he, he, is, he is pretty funny. I mean, I have to say, he the stuff he says, I have yeah. no idea where they come from some of the stuff. Um, it was really funny because we had uh, art night at a school last week, and they have a self-funded art program where the school – fundraises money so that they can have art program because the county and the state doesn't don't give them money for art so um, right um so they they had this um art night thing where they had the news came out well the one of the teachers told the reporter that he should interview Colin and watching that was hilarious because they um you know he spent five minutes trying to get Colin to actually say something he could say on camera because the questions it, it would be like this it was so what do you enjoy about painting Oh, the part where I paint, you know, I mean, and it was just, you know, build them up with a question, and it was just one of those things where it was a technically a correct answer, but it was not what they wanted to hear, so, um, yeah, he, he he's a pretty funny kid, but he's pretty remarkable, but we, we, uh, oh, we instill in him, um, know a, a serious um you know the march of dimes is something that's been part of his life since he, literally he was a baby the first year after he was born he had been home from the hospital maybe three months um because he had been in for eight months so that's that that coming may they do all the fundraising in may right around usually right usually the week before his birthday is when when our march for babies is um we uh the first year I went by myself because it was rainy and miserable and um, they, uh, you know, at, at the point where Colin came home, they pretty much told us we needed to keep him in a bubble for the first three years of his life. Don't let him go out except for doctor appointments. Um, you know, don't let anybody around him that hasn't been immunized. Um you know, that you need to, this isn't like a normal child. They're at high risk for infection anything that gets to their lungs can put them back in the hospital. You know, he, he had oxygen when he first came home, so he still had scar tissue in his lungs he needed to outgrow. Uh, that's a condition called bronchopulmonary dysplasia. Um, so, you know, it was very serious not to let him out. So I went out to my first March for Babies, and uh, it was rainy and it was miserable, but I did it. And I'd set a goal that year of $250, and I raised 500 So the next year, I was like, you know, 
we'll try to do this again. I'm going to set my goal for 500. Let's see what we can do. And I raised 1000 So every year after that, I have set my goal for $1,000. Um, and then one year, we were invited to be the regional ambassadors. Colin was the regional ambassador for the March of Dimes. Um, so it was all about him. And we got he got to, you know, be the star of the show that year. Um, and after that, uh, there was a brand-new coordinator that had come in for the region for March of Dimes. And um wonderful woman named Riley McDuff. Uh, she just had her own baby recently. Um, she uh, she asked me if I would be willing to be a parent advocate on the regional board of directors. So since I guess I'm going on my third year on the board with the March of Dimes here locally, and uh, we do two major fundraisers a year. We do this March for Babies, and then we also do a signature chef's auction in the fall uh, where you basically uh, come to a dinner a dinner party of sorts and various things are auctioned off, uh, like they'll auction off a 14-person brunch in your own home, that kind of thing, and um, and we raise money that way as well. So those are the two major fundraisers that we have throughout the year. But March for Babies is definitely my favorite. Um, we get to encourage people to come out, walk in a beautiful, beautiful area at USA Children and Women's Hospital in Mobile. They have a beautiful statue, statue park, uh, children's statue park out in the middle leading up to the hospital, and we always do the walk there, and it's just gorgeous scenery. They always have a lot of fun events and things like that, and um, we do what we can to fundraise as much as we can leading up to the walk, um, you know, to provide them. And all that money that they raise um, goes into local programs with uh, not just that hospital where Colin was, but various hospitals throughout the area um, helping to do focus on education for prenatal programs because March of Dimes really wants to make its mission um, not only to help babies that are born early, but also to prevent them from being born early in the first place. Especially in Alabama, we have a really, really, really gore when it comes to premature babies being born. Uh, Alabama typically scores an F every year. Um, I think Mississippi has a worse score, which that, which is typical for Alabama. You know, usually the Alabama state motto is thank yeah. God for Mississippi. So, um, yeah, that the, is so uh, true. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, but 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 the the rates are really miserable uh, for prematurity in Alabama. So the 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 mission includes trying to prevent that from happening, trying to get people prenatal care, um, education, um, and funding towards programs that promote that. And so that's where the March of Dimes is really putting a lot of its uh, bang for its buck now, along with its research and grant programs for the scientists that are making a difference and trying to find out what the causes of prematurity are so that we can make them stop from that end, too. Yeah, and I, I of course, I think it's an awesome um, a cause and fundraising initiative, and I love it, and I, you know, I've always supported it. And stories like Collins really make you want to be a part of it. I mean, I've known you I don't know how long, but I remember when you first told me about it, and then, you know, I – it's amazing to me, and it, I love being able to see this kid who literally beat all these odds and does all these wonderful things. And so that right there is, like, the reason that you do this, you know? Well, and, you know, it's it's one of those things, too. I mean, um, I have to I have to give props to the hospital where we are, too. They're, they're quietly one of the best NICUs in the country. Um, they don't boast. They don't brag. They just quietly do their thing, and they're a teaching hospital. Um, my husband likes to remind me that I probably had about 38,000 people in the delivery room with me because um, 
not only did we have the NICU team and the delivery team, but apparently we had a group of about 15 students coming through too. And I'm like, oh, great. So everybody just saw me. He's like, you didn't notice? I'm like, well, I was a little busy. Um, but, you know, the <laughs> – you know, that hospital is phenomenal. They they actually um, had the smallest baby ever born to survive, was born in that hospital. While Colin was in the NICU, actually, they were next door, the, the baby, he and the baby were next door neighbors in the, the annex, which is where they put them, what they call it the fat farm, where they fatten them up right before they leave. Um, she was a baby C of a set of uh, 24-week triplets, and she weighed 9.1 ounces at birth, and she lost down to 8.6 ounces. She was literally the size of a Sharpie marker, and they have a picture of her laying next to a Sharpie marker for scale. Um, and and I'll, I'll later, it's it's insane. But uh, and those triplets, all three of them lived. In fact, the two, gallingly enough, the two bigger ones, even though they were all born in August, the two bigger ones beat Colin out of the NICU. Um, and, and the little one, the little tiny mite, she she ended up getting discharged about three months after Colin did. But uh, they're all doing well. Um, and you know, so that hospital, they, now one thing I did notice, um, that the March of Dimes, I would follow their uh, Twitter feed, and um, they would tweet out these wonderful cutting-edge techniques that were going on, and we had seen all of those happening throughout the, uh, in fact, when Colin was born, it was not that common to do cord blood transfers. You know, cord blood had started, people had started saving cord blood, but it was not that common to do a cord blood transfer at birth. Um, yeah. They told me they were going to wait 60 seconds before they cut the, his umbilical cord, um, and what they were doing was a cord blood transfer. All of our first pictures of Colin have him; he's bright, bright red, almost purple in these pictures because it was oxygen-rich blood from from the umbilical cord, um, and they were doing that because it, it keeps them from having to do blood transfusions for about three or four days because he had a lot of blood transfusions and a lot of blood sticks while he was in the hospital. Um, so that's, that's something, again, another pay forward thing. That's why you'll see me talk about giving blood so often as well, because our local blood bank gives, gives blood to the NICU, um, at Children's and Women. So we, we often give blood to kind of pay it forward. But, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, so it was really comforting to see, hear these techniques that the March of Dimes is helping to pioneer through their research. And here was our hospital putting those research techniques into practice and we we got to see it every day and uh, you know so you go through that and experience it and it's one thing to go yeah 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 they they just want money for blah 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 and and they're just spending it on corporate and I can tell you personally I would not be putting my my name and my son's name on the line for an organization that I didn't fully believe in and these guys are the real deal they really care they really uh, they really want you they really want people to help this mission and to help babies thrive and help parents get their baby, be able to thrive with healthy pregnancies and, and, you know, healthy survival rates and things like that. So it, it definitely is a mission that I am passionate about thing that we are, you know, we, we, we don't do, we plan everything else around the March of Dimes. It's, it's something that, that we make a point to be involved in, and um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm raised for him the rest of my life, and I'll never be able to repay what they did for my son. Well, really quick, we only have about um, 10 minutes left. I just wanted you to share how people can donate or get in touch with you, walk with you, all of that stuff. 
Okay, well, locally, your your March of Dimes uh, will have a local walk somewhere around you. Uh, so if you don't live anywhere near Mobile, Alabama, which is where I live, um, then I, I encourage you to go to marchforbabies.org and uh, look, or March for, I think it's marchforbabies.com now that I mentioned that. Let me double-check that one uh, while we're talking. Anyway, go to the March for Babies website and find your local one. Um, here in Mobile, the uh, March for Babies is going to be at uh, Jerry Moulton Park uh, at USA Children Women's Hospital on Saturday, May 6th. Um, it's the location where we've had it for probably the past six years or so. Um, okay, it is, it is marchforbabies.org what I'm looking at. Yeah, marchforbabies.org. Um, if you would like to contribute to the March of Dimes, um, you can contribute on my page, which is www.marchforbabies.org slash C as in Kathy, M as in Mary Chandler, C-H-A-N-D-L-E-R. Um, you'll see Colin's story, my journal story about when Colin was born uh, listed there, and there will be a donation link where you can donate there. Um, if you know somebody that is collecting locally, I encourage you to, to you know, I don't. it's not about me. It's not about the glory. It's about the mission. So please, if you know somebody that's collecting for March of Dimes that you'd rather contribute to them, definitely do. Even if it's $10, it doesn't matter. Every little bit helps and, um, you know, will go for a good cause. Uh, uh, again, uh, any donation is, is fine. They do take electronic donations. I've had people that have sent me donations via check um, before. If you're interested in doing something like that, um, feel free to send me a, a DM, and I will give you my address, and you can send something like that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if you feel more comfortable actually seeing more about Colin, um, send me a DM, and I'll actually send you my Facebook link. We can become friends on Facebook, and you can see weekly stories that I update on my Facebook feed about Colin and the mission. I actually make those public posts so that anybody can see them. And I'll be glad to send anybody that uh, that link that asks uh, if you're interested in seeing more about our stories and learning more about Colin and, and his journey um, and how we became passionate about the March Dimes. But, yeah, marchforbabies.org slash Chandler. That's my page. Okay. And I would, first of all, thank you for, of course, being so open and, so open and forthcoming and always, you know, being willing to share Colin's story. I know a lot of people – are not as open as you and your husband have been, and that's wonderful because it's nice to be able to hear actual stories. And, you know, of course, everybody's appreciative of that. And also, I would like to do announcements. We have, well, we have about five more minutes. So if there's anything else that you think that you might have left out that you want to add, then go ahead. But otherwise, we'll just do announcements and wrap it up. So is there anything that you can think of? Um, well, I'm just going to say again, um, if you're not one of those people that likes to get out and walk, likes to get out and fundraise, uh, likes to get out and donate, even if you just share people's posts, um, if you just offer support, even if you just uh, say, hey, I really like this mission and kind of support the mission by tweeting or sharing or, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people will scream slacktivism, but even if one people, one person sees that, that's moved to donate something, that's, that's something that helps. So don't feel you can't contribute by spreading the word. This is a mission that needs to be shared. So you, you're doing good by sharing the mission. Um, and then secondly, um, if you do like out and do things and maybe you can't contribute financially, uh, find your local walk and just go out, go out and support the walk. Go out and tell people, you know, thank you for what they're doing and um, 
you know, show some show some physical book support by being here. Um, it, it makes a difference. I know it always warms our heart when we see, even when it's raining, uh, crowds of people out there helping support the March of Dimes. And, um, yeah, it and means just, a lot. Just sharing information I, when you see it is a big deal. I mean, just retweeting something or sharing it on Facebook, that's, that helps, you know. Oh, definitely, definitely. It's a it's a worthwhile mission. So if I if I leave everybody else with with one one thing, it's it's that the March of Dimes is definitely a worthwhile mission. Yeah, get involved if if you are so inclined. I'm sure you know they would love to have you. I am looking. I would love to participate as well. I'm going to look into it actually as soon as we're done here. I'm doing Relay for Life, so if it's on, because Relay is the same day as your March, so I'll have to look and see about my local one, but. I would love to be involved with it. Like I said, I always, I always do the thing at the store where you donate and they like put your name on the little balloon, you know, I always do that, but I'll do more. You know what? Now, now knowing you and knowing your kids and knowing all of this information, it it makes a difference. And so I'll definitely be getting involved, but I would just, okay. So announcements really quick guys, because we are running out of time per the usual. Um, Tuesday night, and I just, Kathy doesn't know this yet because I just got a text, but Tuesday night, uh, Lisa Rodrigo, who you guys know from when we had T.C. Warner on, she's her publicist, and she runs a publicity company, and she does a lot of things um, in the soap world, I guess you could say. So she's going to come on and share um, some stuff about her company, and she's going to, you know, talk soaps with us and kind of just our usual gossip sessions that, you know, we're we're kind of famous for the soap gossip. So we're going to do that with her. It'll be lots of fun. She's great. And that's going to be on Tuesday night. We're not going to have a show next Thursday night because Kathy will be traveling. Um, and then I'm not sure about the week after that yet. We will let you know. But I also want to let you guys know if, if there's something that you'd like for us to talk about or if you have some, a story that you would like to share, Regardless of if it's related to the March of Dimes, regardless, if you have a social cause or anything that you would like us to talk about, we would be more than willing to talk with you and devote time to do a show about it. And that's our that's one of our biggest goals with this show is being able to share things like that. You know, we have things planned for the future, of course. And if you have something you want us to share or you want to share your own story or you want to talk about whatever it is, Get in touch with me, get in touch with Kathy, get in touch with the Talk Daytime Twitter. However, um, we would love to talk with you about it on air. We would love to share your stories and hopefully raise awareness for a lot of different things. Um, as of now, we plan on doing a show talking about, um, in May, we're, we're planning on a show about brain cancer awareness and Relay for Life, which I will be participating in my, for my first time, and Kathy has done in the past. So we're going to be talking about that, but... If there is anything, seriously, I don't care what it is that you would like us to talk about or that you would like to come on and talk about, get in touch. We we would be so happy to be able to help you share your story and reach an audience. So, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I just think, you know, it's really important to us that we share this stuff with everyone that downloads this show and listens to us and everybody who follows us. We would love to be able to do that and reach as many people as possible with as many things as possible. So, yeah. Anyway, thank you and so you much for yet again. You can, and Kathy, you can reach us at talk underscore daytime um, for the, for talk daytime. I'm at, at so much whatever. And Emily, you are at, I'm at Emily C zero nine one five, or you can find me on Facebook. Um, just search my name. 
get in touch with me, however, send me an email. All that information is listed in our like in the blog talk settings. I believe you can view my email. However you feel comfortable. If you have any kind of story that you want us to share, it's it's so important to us that we can reach as many people as possible with as many things as possible because there's so many things that we want to bring light to. So it's important to us for sure. So yeah, get in touch with us. And if you don't feel comfortable coming on the show, you don't have to. Just tell us your story. Tell us what you want us to share and we'll we'll research it and talk about it. You know, any anything. So, uh, of course, we, we're still going to talk about soaps. Don't don't think we're not. We love soaps. We love covering the soaps and gossiping about them. But we also, you know, there's bigger things in the world that we want to talk about and that we want to share with you guys. So thank you to everybody who downloads and who retweets and who is super patient because we haven't been on the air in three weeks. We appreciate you guys because I know it's been a while. So we will be back on Tuesday night with Lisa at 5.30, and yeah, I think that's all I have to share with you guys today. Um, tweet us what you thought about today's show, if this is something that you're into and you love hearing about this kind of stuff, and we can incorporate it more and tie it into the shows, So, or tie it into the soaps, obviously, not just the shows made it sound like our shows. Tie it in with soaps, you know. Mm-hmm. Let us know what, some feedback. We would love to hear from you. So, yeah, find us on Twitter. Thanks for listening yet again. Kathy, is there anything you have to add? If not, we'll just end Nope. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you all. All right. Bye. Bye.